Hi, welcome to 1001 Books, the podcast where we read the 1001 books the experts say you're supposed to read before you die and decide if they're really worth your time. I'm Nicole. Uh, right now, I'm really on a huge historical fiction kick. And I'm Chelsea, a lover of any fantasy novel with a strong female lead and a new mom desperately trying to find time to read. We're here to talk about uh, our book 63 on the list, <laughs> The Private Memoirs and Confessions of a Justified Sinner. Which you got to say, that's a really light and easy title. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm thinking that there's just going to be, you know, lazy days, beach reads going on here. Yeah, it's definitely a beach read. Um, so before we get into that, what else have you been reading lately? Um, I have been reading Blind Spot, The Hidden Biases of Good People. Um, the author escapes me right now, but it is a um, nonfiction work that is exploring um, scientific studies and things about our blind spots and how we can have basically implicit biases um, that we're unaware of and why, um, bio- not biologically, evolutionarily, that those might occur. And then also how you can become aware of them because you can't prevent them, but you can be aware of them and uh, acknowledge them and try and you know work around them and be a better person. So I like it a lot. It's a school read. Um, and it has some really interesting uh, studies in it. So, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's good. Last time we recorded, you hadn't read anything else. So, you know, you d- I'm making real this, progress. Even though this was required for work, you did read something else. So that's Yeah. Good. Oh, and there's a really interesting study in it that it was about married couples. And oh. so they did, they asked one group to name three things that they love most about their spouse and the other group to name 10 things they love most about their spouse. And then they had them rank after that how satisfied they were in their marriage. And which group do you think ranked um, more dissatisfaction towards their marriage, more satisfaction towards their marriage with their spouse? Um, maybe the people who said less things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, it wouldn't have been in the, the book if it hadn't been interesting like that. But it was yeah. about um, how because they theorize it's because you can always name off the hand three things that you love about someone but 10 is a really long list and so those spouses had to think a lot more they didn't like Mm. they don't just like you know roll off the top of your tongue as fast as three things would and so those spouses rated their marriages as being Mm. worse even though because then as they were thinking of the 10 things they thought of things that they don't like at the same time automatically or they just felt bad that it took them so long or that people must be writing faster than them kind of stuff so interesting i thought that was really interesting and then i sat there and i was like name three things you like about your spouse right you know like (laughs) can i name three things yes and then i was like okay 10 how long is that gonna take me and it does take longer yeah cool study fun fact Um, the book I read recently is one that I listened to on audiobook with my spouse because we've started a tradition that when we go on like long road trip vacation drives, we listen to an audiobook together. And we over the summer, we just we listened to this one called Space Opera by Catherine M. Valente. And it was hilarious. <laughs> the premise of the book is that it's, it's on Earth in the nearish future and aliens come to Earth. Uh, And they tell us that, you know, there's all these, uh, actually, there's tons and tons of different kinds of aliens all over the universe. And that in order to avoid going to war with each other over who, who really counts as a sentient life form, they've developed sort of an American Isle style competition that once every galactic year, every, every world has to perform a song, you know, and then they're ranked. And they, if they discover a new species, new species, the new species has to come and perform. 
And if as long if they come as long as they don't come in dead last among all the worlds, um, the new species gets to like join the universe's community. But if they come in dead last, their whole planet is blown up. You know, and uh, and so then it ends up being these you know like aging punk you know glitter punk <laughs> singers that are gonna represent Earth, and it's all about you know. And it was just, it was really great on audio because there's a lot of really weird and random aliens. Like one of the aliens is just like as an actual zombie virus. And one of them is a computer program. And one is like a time traveling red panda type thing. And, and they had different voices for all the types of creatures. And it was so funny and weird. I highly recommend it. And I, it was like not a book I would normally pick up, but it was Do you great. think it was better on audiobook than it would have been? Maybe, reading. yeah. And it was like it was it was good for audio because it it was a lot of world description and some plot, you know, and so it it was easy to follow on audio mm-hmm. and we were spread it out over the whole summer on different yeah. trips, you know. Um yeah, nice. it was great. <laughs> All right. Well, what did we read this week? So we read The Private Memoirs and Confessions of a oh, Justified yeah, we said Sinner. That. By James Hogg, who's from Scotland, and this book was originally published in 1824. And then from the back of mine, I learned that it was kind of rediscovered in 1924 and got popular then. Um, what's your word? If what's your one word description of this book, Jels? Gothic. And mine is predestination. Uh, our quick plot is told in a unique structure. This story recounts a tale of a young man who takes the theology of predestination to its extreme conclusion. So should we start about talking about the structure? Yeah, so this book was told um, in basically two parts, and the first part is about 40, 50 pages at the beginning of the novel, and it is the editor's, like, narrative, um, uh, pretending the editor in the novel supposedly discovered this work and he wants to have it published, and he's telling the history of the area and the manner and all the stuff that are like you know plot points kind of in this work um and then he also tells the story of the characters in the novel and then it flashes over to the main character who is um writing his confession of what happened in his life like a memoir like a memoir so it goes from third person to first person yes in the middle and um this character, the main character, he uh, is very, like, delusional. Not delusional. Um, he has a kind of a delusions of grandeur, for yeah, one thing. Yeah, that's kind of thing going yeah. on. And so his version of events is very different than the quote-unquote facts from the, the first part. From the first book. Um, so. You know, I'm not a huge fan of an experimental structure in general. Uh, and this one in particular just made me have flashbacks to when we read The Scarlet Letter in high school, and that has sort of the same kind of fake introduction thing that is about finding the manuscript. Um, And then I I remember we had an assignment to read that, and I read it, and nobody in the class read it, and so the teacher said, read it again. And and like a ridiculous rule follow, I read it a second time because there was going to be a quiz or something. And and then it like made me hate Scarlet Letter like from jump like immediately. That's hilarious. Um, And this book wasn't quite as bad as that, but I or maybe I'm just more used to reading books like this because I like. I feel like for me, experimental structures are either like a big hit or a big miss. Um, And I wasn't a fan of this one. Yeah, I just feel like 
I just don't think I was a fan of the story to begin with. So that made the like the structure not work. And I wasn't a fan of the way it, it was divided up. Like, I don't know. I just didn't feel like it. Yeah, I feel it like worked for me. This kind of structure, like it's it's a way that then like even in a modern book, it's like, oh, the structure is unique and cool and it's going to get a good critical review based on the creativity of that, even if everything else about the book sucks. You yeah. know, and I just like you don't get a pass on like plot and character development and writing style and all that stuff because you came with it with a yeah, unique like- structure. It, I, I mean, I love the book thief and the, the author's perspective in the book thief is like told from the viewpoint of death, like which you know from the beginning. I like, um, I liked the other book on the list that you didn't like about the bug that was squished on the Jealousy. wall. Jealousy. I like unique structures um, when it feels to me like they have a purpose or mm-hmm. a unique narrator, when that feels like that has a purpose. Um, I just didn't enjoy the structure of this one um and then on top of that i didn't enjoy the book so it just like it kind (laughs) of doubled down so i guess we could talk about kind of the themes in the novel a little bit yeah Um, so the the plot is basically like that there's these two brothers um and the kind of one's kind of raised by the dad and one by the mom and maybe they're not they're actually half siblings maybe you know and the one who's raised by the mom ends up being raised into like a very specific version of christianity like a fundamentalist version of christianity that is all about predestination which Mm -hmm. is like the doctrine that god has decided what everyone is going to do what's going to happen in everyone's life and therefore who is going to be saved before anyone was ever born and so there isn't much real free will and if you take it out to its extreme conclusion if you know for sure that you're one of the saved ones you can do anything and still end up saved at the end because it was predestined you're one of the elect and so uh, you learn that the in kind of the beginning part of the book that the, that brother like kills the other brother mm-hmm. um, and and in, in general. And then you would get into his memoir and you find out that he's actually killed several people because he he makes this friend who is like kind of leading him down to the road to this extreme predestination doctrine um, even more so. And it's like, you know, we, it's our God's calling us to rid the earth of people who are in God's will or God's people. And we can kill them because we're saved no matter what. And it's unclear whether that friend is a real person or a manifestation of Satan or like, or like a, himself. Even sometimes it yeah, feels like, like a version it's of himself. Not, um, it's supposed to have this odd, like supernatural element where you're not sure who the friend is. is. Um, and so, yeah, my, my favorite way to describe this book basically is fight club meets crime and punishment. Yeah. Cause it has that element of fight club where there's like this other person who's bad and you don't really know much about them. And then the memoir also is him being slowly eaten up by the guilt of what he's done, like in crime and punishment. Um, Yeah. I mean, I liked crime and punishment much better. Yeah. I mean, Uh, yes. I, yeah, I just, in this book, too, it was very, um, it wasn't hard to read. The language wasn't hard to read. It aired more towards, like, 1820s on, like, you know, Jane Eyre kind of old-fashioned language, but not terrible, not the 1700s hard-to-read language, which was nice. Um, but it just, it just was not my fave. 
I I think I'm already forgetting the plot points of it, which doesn't bode well for having any <laughs> staying power. Yeah, and like I couldn't remember the characters' names while I was reading it. Yeah, which you'll also... notice we didn't say any names in our description. <laughs> yeah, because it just, they just weren't important. Yeah, um, and I mean I know like down the line I don't very often remember characters' names, but. I did not remember them while you're reading it is not a good sign. Yeah. I I mean, it says, like, I think a lot of it is making fun of, like, fundamentalism in any yes. religion, like, in any belief, um, which is pretty relevant <laughs> to society now. You know, like, like I... Uh, it felt like, too, it would have been tongue-in-cheek at the time. Not tongue-in-cheek, but, like, yeah, kind of. At the time where it was, like, poking fun mm-hmm. um, and had very, like, topical, timely references to, like, predestination and, like, that doctrine and was kind of poking at it. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like sometimes this list, because they were reaching for a thousand books, they put on books that maybe don't exactly belong or really belonged in their time and place and didn't really need to be pulled forward Mm. um and i that's kind of how i felt about this one like it feels like yeah maybe it was relevant during its time and place maybe it um was funny and was poking fun at things then and um this me and i read the foreword as i usually do um and i never never enjoy them so why do i do it don't know <laughs> um he was really famous as a writer in scotland mm-hmm. um and so like he was like maybe it had some meaning for if you were a scottish person back then to have this like famous you know writer and that was among you and your people and um like this kind of dark spirit possibly or supernaturaliness was like a big kind of scottish culture thing like Mm -hmm. you know but i just don't feel like it needs it belongs past its time and place yeah the other really gothic book that we've read for the podcast is the house of seven gables by my friend nathaniel hawthorne who i just (laughs) said i hated the scarlet letter but we both really liked that one i also did that one totally on audio um which mean i didn't get bogged down at all in the the right old-fashioned writing you know um but i I, to me, gothic should mean it like gives you the creeps a little bit, even still now. And I think House of Seven Gables does that. This one, this one is like, okay, so this character is supposed to be like the devil. And it's a, it's supposed to mean about that. um, If you take any belief to its extreme conclusion, it's Mm going to be screwed up. Uh, But I, it it just wasn't, um, I didn't, it didn't capture my imagination uh, in the same way that I'd want a gothic novel to do, capture it. Yeah, um, I would agree. Yeah. And, yeah, so it was, just, it was just, like, fine. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's, I mean, it's, like, it's maybe in the bottom half for me of all the books you've read for the podcast, but closer, close to the middle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's no, like, Look Homeward Angel. Yeah, where we just it like really dreaded it. It was only two hundred pages though, so and big words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So you know that that helps a book out when it's middle of the road if it's not too long. Yeah. Do you think there's like a modern, like if he was writing this book now, what would he what would be he be writing about? Because <laughs> I, I was just thinking about it today because I just read an article today about 
um, evangelicalism and like kind of like that, like it's like there's it's fracturing over like political stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it was talking a lot. It was in the Atlantic, and it was talking a lot about how like even before Trump was president, there was uh, like too much like Chris basically Christianity isn't ever good when there's too much politics in it right mm-hmm. and, and 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 now evangelicalism is a particularly dangerous because there's politics in it and in general people evangelical people seem to think that they're actually being very counterculture but they're not mm-hmm. <laughs> they're form they're like very much supporting the main culture um and so I was just thinking like if if the devil came to a character who was an evangelical, what would they, what would he be trying to get him to do? <laughs> you know? Cause I think that stuff like that, like spirit, our spiritual selves and our, like the huge divides in present times and throughout history over like minute points of theology mm-hmm. is still very yeah, relevant. I feel like, would it have been like a, a study of like mental health? If you are mm-hmm. um, mental health within faith, if you are uh, too, the word not rabid rabid is not the word I'm zealous like. thank you rabid zealous you know <laughs> different connotations but <laughs> similar meaning uh if you're too overzealous and yeah. kind of thing yeah i mean yeah maybe we would like it more <laughs> i mean maybe we, i think this book just really has a political context and since we don't yeah. have it we're probably missing some of the stuff that he's trying to put down you know <laughs> yeah and we didn't like the the like conceit of the story like with this the plot kind of thing and so plot device and so that doesn't help because yeah. i think on this list i could forgive a story if i didn't like it but i liked the plot device yeah um but because i didn't like either so i mean i think we're kind of hinting it's probably a short episode but we can just go ahead and say it is this going to be on our list no no <laughs> um i'm considering we've already started to forget it and we just read it i think we know that it is not yeah it makes it hard to talk about (laughs) (laughs) it's not a book we think everyone should read before they die which is a very broad statement and it it does make you think how much the people who put the list together were stretching to make a thousand books but also in the version that we're using they cut a bunch of european books Mm -hmm. to include more books around the world which is great and they probably need to do more of that but this book is european yeah, and how did this one make the list? <laughs> what got cut to save this one? I just, yeah, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know yeah. what the deal is. I just feel like, yeah, it's just, it's so interesting. And I also wonder if by the time we finish our list, how much of our list will be based on the time and place of what we're living in now um, mm-hmm. versus and just the age we were when we read yeah, it. For sure. That'd be interesting. Yeah, because there's definitely, like, there's been books in my life that I've read that have, like, an older main character, and I don't connect to them, but maybe if I'd read them when I was 50, it would be mm-hmm. different. Yeah. Uh, for sure. And <laughs> um, I also think that it's funny that this book kind of had a renaissance in popularity in the 1920s, which is, we never liked books that were written then. So just, like, our taste is not what people like no. in the 1920s, I mean, you know? if I had to choose a decade to just not read from, 1920s i'd be like cool i will (laughs) cut out those 10 years they couldn't have booze so they forgot how to write (laughs) no is that the the authors were having too much booze because they had to sneak it and then they didn't got worse at writing like that Um, oh god the uh and that like i think people in the 20s felt 
like they'd gone through the worst thing that could ever happen and nothing bad was going to happen anymore and they were going to make a whole new world and it was going to be good. But now that idea seems kind of laughable because it's been 100 years and the world is still very imperfect, you know? And that their version of the world being good was full of racism and misogyny and They really should have, like, knocked on wood with that, like, thinking was not the worst. Knock we should, on we wood, should be doing that way. now. We should be doing that now. Yeah. You can hear that, right, listeners? <laughs> it's real wood, too. <laughs> yeah, you built that bookshelf. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that probably wraps up our episode. What will we be endeavoring to read next? Uh, coming out of the jar, our next book is called A Pale Fire, hmm. which is a very vague title. I think it's going to be about, like, someone who's, like, passion is like waning oh that's good yeah look i wasn't literal you weren't like it's a a fire that's only light orange in color (laughs) Uh, or maybe someone who's like towards the end of their life taking stock on oh yeah 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 no we shall see um until then you can find us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, let's see, and Twitter at 1001bookspodcast or at 1001bookspod or email us at 1001bookspodcast at gmail.com. And until then, happy, happy reading. reading.